Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Hello and welcome, friends, to the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Day, and we have an awesome episode for you this week as I got to sit down with Craig Rochelle, pastor of Life Church. Craig and a handful of people launched Life Church back in 1996, and today, Life Church is positively impacting communities, reaching tens of thousands of people across the country through their multiple locations. Now, I love that Craig and his team at Life Church are incredibly generous, giving away ministry resources to individuals and churches around the world, including the free YouVersion Bible app, which has been downloaded over 336 million times. That's crazy. Craig hosts the popular leadership podcast and is a New York Times bestselling author. His latest book, Hope in the Darkness, is available now from Zondervan. Now, on this week's episode, Craig and I tackle an important and timely topic for pastors. With the painful stories that have been shared through the Church 2 movement and the issues that have surfaced at Willow Creek Church, we discuss how to honor God and others as you lead through difficult and hurtful situations like these. Craig also shares some very helpful, encouraging insights to help church leaders focus on God's hope in the midst of our ministry disappointments. There is so much wisdom in this episode. Be sure to share this one with your ministry leaders, uh, but let's not waste any more time. Please join me in my conversation with Craig Rochelle. Craig, blessings, brother. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. Hey, Jason. Thank you, man. I'm, I'm uh, honored to spend a little bit of time with you. Yeah, man. We appreciate you making the time to be with us. Now, I'd love to take a moment at the outset here, Craig, uh, because there are many really difficult conversations going on now about the the church world. Um, the horrific revelations that have come out about widespread sexual abuse in the Catholic Church, the experiences, um, the stories of abuse that many have been sharing through the Church Two movement, uh, the issues at Willow Creek, the women have been hurt there, so many really, really heavy and hurtful things. And Craig, uh, there are a lot of pastors and ministry leaders that that really respect you, brother, um, appreciate your leadership, not just at Life Church, but kind of the leadership that you help provide to the Big C Church. Mm-hmm. And just recently, uh, you you stepped in at the Global Leadership Summit. You're very clear um, in how you addressed a very difficult and, and sensitive situation. And so, brother, I would I would love for you to just take a few minutes because. This is what we as pastors, as ministry leaders, this is what we're facing right now. Can, mm-hmm. can you talk to us and share with us a, a little bit of advice or, or encouragement that you might have for us as to how can we best navigate and lead through these issues of abuse and neglect and hurt? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a big question and an, an important question. And so um, I'll try to figure out where to start. I, I think... I think one of the things we, we have to do is we have to have the courage to tell the truth and recognize when there is abuse. And um, it's, so, it's, it's really difficult to do when we look up to somebody, admire someone, if there, you know, if there is a, you know, we have to, we have to, we have to take the issue um, seriously on all fronts. I think at the same time, I, I would just say, although we really, really need to, to make this um, an important priority, I wouldn't panic and and um, forget that there's 
hundreds and thousands of pastors that are living with integrity. So sometimes I think people think the whole system's falling apart. Mm. You know, no, we're all broken people and we all do things um, that we, you know, that we shouldn't do. Some are much worse and have higher consequences. But I'd, I'd, I'd also just want to remind everybody that there's still a lot of people that are serving God faithfully. When there is um, an accusation of abuse, I think one of the things we, we have to do is we, we have to take take the accusations seriously and do really do our homework to find out if they're true. And then if, the, if they are true, what we do next is really, really, really important. I mean, we have to we have to really, really show truth and grace. I, I think one of the things, one of the mistakes I think churches make is in an effort to maybe protect the congregation or protect, you know, maybe the victims or maybe the abuser. Sometimes we don't tell the truth. And I think that's really dangerous and hurtful. Mm. I think we have to we have to have the courage to to just tell the truth. And then to pastor those who both are hurt and have abused. I think that's those are there's two very different real strategies, but we have to be engaged in both. Um, to those who are victims, it is really hard for someone like me to understand their world because I've never been in their place. And so I have to I have to work really, really hard to hear the stories, understand the pain, try to put myself in their place, and then to minister to people in a way that really does bring life, that validates them, doesn't bring shame. And that's not it's not something that I've got a lot of experience in, so I have to work to do it. At the same time, uh, we have a responsibility to our leaders as well to, you know, if they if they have fallen and have sinned, is to help them come to terms with it. Sometimes it's just to help them admit it, because a lot of times, I don't know if they lie to themselves or, or they're just flat lying. But sometimes it's hard to that sometimes they don't want to admit it, and so bringing them to a, helping them get to a, a safe place to repent and put them in a process of whatever restoration looks like. It might mean apologizing to those who they've hurt, apologizing, repenting to the church, and and going through the process to help them heal. It's just something that we need to we need to be prayerful every step of the way. The bottom line is I think that is is that we can't be we can't be afraid to step into it, mm. to have the conversations, to to tell the truth. Um, to recognize sometimes sometimes our heroes fall, and to have the courage to say that does happen instead of you know denying it, is complicated. It's it's not easy, but that's a good thing. Is the gospel is powerful in complicated situations. Um, and in, on the other side, we, we had a if, if I can I don't want to talk too long no, on this, this is issue, good. but this is good. Uh, we had a guy that was kind of a um, he he was in repeated sexual sin as a pastor here. We'd hired him from another church. He brought his sin with him. We didn't know about it. Um, he confessed it, and so we we took him out of the game and put him in a real serious restoration process. Um, he apologized, repented, made things right, worked hard, had the hard conversations. We told the church the truth. By not telling the truth, sometimes the rumors become worse, and people wonder and right. and tell the truth. After several years, the guys we allowed him to start back in in a entry level role in the church, and he built his way up, and now he serves leading um, leading our largest campus. And so I think handled well with integrity, with time, with healing, with scripture, with accountability, with counseling, we can have beautiful stories of restoration. That's when God's glorified. Sometimes mm. lose ground, but as a church, we need to work hard to take back the ground to help those who have been victimized heal, um, to be safe, to be protected, to be validated, to be embraced, 
help those who've wronged to admit it, to repent, to make things right. And you know, sometimes if it's legal issues, then you gotta you gotta let the law take it where it goes. But it's it's complicated. But don't be afraid to step into it, tell the truth, and and let the gospel do what the gospel does. It it does change lives. Amen. That, that's helpful, Craig. And I think one of the things that um, in a lot of the conversations that I've been having around the country with pastors is just um, it seems like there's just a little bit of uncertainty in how to how to address those situations when the mm-hmm. when they arise because we've seen examples of it being mishandled and so there's this tension as ministry leaders to like you said share the truth but also be sensitive to the the victim in some way but then mm-hmm. also you know hey god's entrusted me with this church with all these people and mm-hmm. it's it's almost one of those things like how do we really discern and find the wisdom in the the midst of that? I, I love what you said about having the courage to you know speak truth. I, I imagine that you would encourage uh, pastors not to just uh, tackle this on their own, um, mm-hmm. but have their elders or their board or you know some key leaders that kind of help them through that. Uh, yes. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit to that? How we surround ourselves with people to help us navigate some of these. Uh- yeah, I would say yes and no. We, we want wise counsel. Right. So, you know, recently I had one of my most difficult, painful assignments I've ever done, and that was, you know, opening up the Global Leadership Summit after all this happened there. Right. And so, you know, I talked to um, people who were, I've talked to some of the families that were hurting because I had to understand their stories. And I talked to all the leaders, including everybody you can think of that was on, you know, on every side of it. Mm-hmm. So I needed a, a real understanding Ultimately, I took advice from people, and you have to do that, but you don't want to lead this by committee. Mm. What tends to happen is if it's you know, there's eight people in a room voting on what's the best thing to do, committees tend to go safe, and is, in my opinion, it's dangerous to play it safe. On issues like this, you, you, just, you have to get up into the truth, and you, you, you don't water things down. I think people on 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 every side of this appreciate someone that comes up and lovingly gracefully tells the truth. Right. And not to say that I got it right, or I, I don't think there's ever a, a perfect way to do it, but there are a lot of ways to do it wrong. And by hedging, um, not doing our homework, you know, I, I, I talked, I, what I wanted to, do, to those who are hurting, I wanted to know what, what language would be offensive to you. Even the word victim, some say, I'm not a victim. You know, I need to understand that. So I used in my talk, I talked about those who were hurting and because I don't want to use language that's discrediting, devaluating, uh, devaluing them uh, or creating more distance, shame or or um, or hurt. At the same time, you know, a committee would try to talk you out of saying, well, here's exactly what happened. So we, we have to do literally we have to do a lot of work to find out what is true. Sometimes we don't know completely. Sometimes there's, there might be some truth, some not truth. And so we have to be real careful. I would say we tell what, what is the most appropriate version of what we know is true. So we don't have to go into details, but the most appropriate version of what we know is true. And then we try to just do what's right and we mm. explain it. So here's what we're doing to care for the victims. Here's how we're trying to help them heal. Here's where we're, work, we're working with the pastor you know, to bring them to a place of restoration. They're, we're not abandoning their family, you know, whatever you're doing, we're providing counseling, 
and you just tell the truth. If they're not talking, like we, we want to be a safe place when they're ready to deal with this, we're going to be a safe place. And so it's just, it's just loving truth with grace goes a long way. And, um, people will, people will have grace for you when you're telling the truth, when you're hedging or afraid or defensive or playing it safe, they can see it and smell through it. They, they smell it. And so it, it, we do, we do as much as what we believe is right as we can. And you, you, sometimes you just don't know for sure. And you get up and say, based on what I know, you make a decision and tell the truth and um, trust God with the results. That's good, brother. And one of the things I love that you you shared in that as we were talking was this idea that, um, you know, the media and the headlines, you know, tend to gravitate towards a lot of the negativity, but yet there's there's so many faithful pastors week in and week, week out who are serving the people God's entrusted to them and, and you know, doing the right things and, and honoring God, men and women of God yes, who are, are yes. doing amazing things. And there's so there are great s- stories of celebration across the kingdom of God. And, and, and that's one of the things that I love that you have always really, really touched on throughout your ministry and um, have you encouraged us through your writings, through everything is, you know, cling to uh, this hope, you know, that there's this, this great joy and celebration that's going on in the kingdom of God, in our in our midst, you know, happening right now, and and your most recent book, Hope in the Dark, really kind of addresses this. Uh, and a lot, I think, of what um, even what we're kind of talking about uh, thus far is, you know, there's there's darkness, there are challenging times, there are difficult times in life. Yet, in the midst of all of those, there is this beauty of God's hope. I know, as a pastor myself, that one of the the questions that we get asked a lot from people is, you know, when life is hard, when life is dark, um, when there are all these challenges, these trials, these, you know, just not good things happening, where mm-hmm. is God in the midst of, of all of that, right? As pastors, yes. we always get that question. As we have people coming to us, they have loss in life, um, hurt, uh, you know, divorce, whatever might be happening with them, and they're asking, man, where is God in the midst of all of this? Uh, can we start by, Craig, would you help us understand what we should be careful we do not do yeah. when people come to us with these questions? Because I think that's every yeah, bit so, as important as what we do, right? That's so, that's so important. And, you know, like as a, as a young pastor, I felt like I had to give answers and reasons. And I found and learned and discovered and read that's just unwise, dangerous, and un- unhelpful to people that, that, that um, to try to, you know, to try to explain a reason is um, it really it devalues the person and, and kind of discredits the pain that they're experiencing at the time. I think one of the things in the church world, at least kind of where I grew up, we were we were kind of told that like doubt is bad, questions are bad, that you should always trust God. And what I found, I mean, just reading scripture, there's a lot of people that trusted God and questioned him mm-hmm. and loved God and doubted him. And uh, it was the book of Habakkuk that was so meaningful to me, you know, Habakkuk's like up in God's face saying, isn't this unfair? I don't like it. Where are you? Why aren't you? I know you can and you're not. And and yet he didn't let go of God. And so I think as pastors, it's actually incredibly freeing to the people that we shepherd to give them permission to ask hard questions, not to shy away from them, to, um, to not make them feel like second class Christians when they have doubts, but to help them understand that the, the path to real intimate faith is often straight through, you know, your biggest doubts. Uh, and we need to talk about our own. If we, if we talk about our own faith struggles, 
that gives permission for people to do it. And it's, it's kind of in that honesty that I think there's is real intimacy with God. It's when we, it's when we fake it and try to pretend it like it's not happening or deny it, that we actually, I think, lose the beauty of what God wants to offer through his presence. Yeah, that's good. And I, I love what you, you said about um, not always feeling like we have to have an answer. I remember one of one of the greatest bits of advice I got from one of my spiritual mentors, one of my professors, and I didn't even know how good the advice was when he gave it to me. But he, he told me, Jason, sometimes when people are going through difficult times, it's not the answers you give, but it's just the fact that you're present with them in the midst of it. Yes, yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and I'll tell yes, you, so over the years of ministry, that has, has come back again and again and again because there have been so many times – you know, when we're ministering with someone who's just absolutely broken and there really isn't an answer, like you said, and, and, and to try to come up with one really kind of devalues what's what's happening in the midst of that grief or that pain. Such good advice. I, you, you probably had something like this. I, I went in to visit a family that lost a little girl. Mm-hmm. I was a young pastor and I, I didn't know what to say. And I just started crying and we just cried the whole time. And I never said anything. And I left, and I felt like the biggest failure, like I'd let them down, I wasn't a good pastor. And they wrote me the longest note saying, thank you, everything about your visit was perfect. And it, 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 I didn't speak a word. All mm. I did was cried with them. And there's there's power in that. I, I think as pastors, we have to give ourselves permission not to not to have the answers. And in the, in the same way, who is Jesus? He's, he's God incarnate. He's God in the flesh. That sometimes we can just be like the presence of God in the flesh for people. That it, you know, we we represent God. We're obviously not Him, but we represent Him to people. And sometimes that is enough. To being there, saying I'm here on behalf of God because He loves you, even though I don't understand. With you, that really that really helps people. Yeah, I love that. In this book, you you take us to Habakkuk, which which isn't one of the books that that we probably preach out of a lot, although. Yeah. Once you read this book, gonna, uh, you definitely need to be tell, preaching I'm out of pastors, it. Pastors, you should, man. It's Habakkuk yeah. is fire, man. It's fire. It's good. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about um, Habakkuk's experience and yeah. and how that relates to this, you know, finding the hope in the midst of the darkness. So you know, Habakkuk, he, he's a he's a different, he's a minor prophet, and most prophets, you know, speak to the people on behalf of God. He's different. He's speaking to God on behalf of the people, and he's saying, God, this isn't fair. Where are you? you know, why are you letting us suffer like this? And then God, God speaks back and says, I'm going to amaze you and do something you, you, you know, you're not even going to believe. And if I'm a back, I'm thinking, okay, God's going to answer my prayers. Here it comes. Here comes the blessings. And God says, I'm going to raise up your enemies who are worse than you and destroy you. <laughs> and so he's beside himself. He doesn't get it. And the, the thing, you know, I learned a lot studying this. I obviously I didn't know this, but the, the, the name Habakkuk means to wrestle and to embrace Mm. To, to wrestle, to question, to, to doubt, to, to yell, and at the same time, not to let go. And, you know, the, there's a long story behind this book, but my daughter, Mandy, my second daughter, um, has been really, really, really sick for two years and three months and has not gotten better. And it's, uh, you, you know, it's something that keeps her at home and she can't work and she's 22 years of age and it's just been it's been so hard as a parent to, to watch this. And it was it's studying that that's kind of given me terminology to put around my emotions with God, which is I'm kind of mad at you, God, kind of disappointed. I really don't understand. Yet 
I'm not letting go. And that's what Habakkuk does is he, 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 you know, God never changes the circumstances for the better. But by the time he gets to chapter three, he has this kind of worship moment where he just says, you know, even if there's no grapes on the vine, if there's no fig, fig leaves don't blossom, if I don't have anything I want, I will still praise you. And that's the deep kind of faith that doesn't come from God doing what you want him to do. It's, it's, it's the, it's embracing him for who he is, not what he does or doesn't do. That's real. And that doesn't come in the good times that comes in the dark, that comes through the valleys that comes when your daughter's sick and there's no, you can't find a cure or, or good diagnosis that comes when you're, you know, you're desperate, you're, you're hurting, you're financially struggling, you lose your job. None of the things we never, ever want, but on the other side of that, if we give per- people permission to both wrestle with God while still embracing him, I think there's such intimate power and faith on the other side of it. And, and we, get, we have to give our churches, we have to give our people courage and permission to go there. That's good. Craig, as you were sharing that and in, in this idea of um, Habakkuk coming to this place of, of worship, even when things were still very, very dark and not going well, right? I can't help but think we live in a, a society that really focuses on celebrating the win in the end, right? Like, yeah, I mean, even just kind of kind of our American culture focuses in on, you know, you know, move, moving through difficult, you know, strenuous times, but overcoming. It's always that overcoming. That's the celebration. And I can't help but think of, you know, we probably have many pastors who are listening in today and again, just faithfully serving their church. And, you know, when they, you know, felt God's call into ministry, of course, you know, we all aspire to, you know, have, you know, just do these crazy, amazing, you know, things that we, we in our mind and the, and the world would think were super significant and, you know, have yeah. a big ministry and, and lots of growth and, you know, and sending social, out. Social media makes everybody feel like a loser. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so how, talk to us a little bit as pastors who are listening today who, you know, they're, they're pastoring um, a small church and maybe they feel like, well, you know, I was hoping that, you know, I would be preaching to, you know, tens of thousands of people over a weekend and, right. uh, you know, how, how do we kind of hang on in the midst of that and be in a place where we're not feeling bitter or not feeling, you know, like God's let us down somehow? You know, you know, it's interesting. I think that let's just say, let's say that pastor is serving faithfully a small church and then 10 years later it grows and all of his or her dreams come true and they're leading a big church. What's, what they won't know until there's a big church is there's still a sense of inadequacy and like it's not enough because there's always somebody doing something more, mm. you know? So if, if, if I lead the largest church in America or one of them, there's still, there's people, my friends who have, you know, 10 times Instagram followers. And so I'm a social media loser, you know, or their <laughs> podcast is bigger or, you know, whatever, they're, they're, no, no matter what you don't, you don't win at all. And, and so it's kind of, it's complicated, but what what we have to do, we have to really, 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 really work to do a couple things. One is to not let our identity be in what we produce, mm. and that's I can say it, but I'm not very good at doing it. Mm-hmm. So we have to work really, really hard to say, I am not what I do, and at the same time, what I do is important. Meaning, you know, if I'm ministering to five people or five thousand people, ultimately, more than anything else, God's calling us to be faithful. When we, when we are faithful to him, then 
we do things that, that really, really matter. We have to embrace that. Then the other thing is, I think we have to really work hard to, to make sure we win at what's most important to us. Having a church of 10,000 people and having your kids walk away from God, that's not really a win. Mm. You know, and so what I want to do before I win in the church world is I want to, I really want to try to win at home. And that means for me, I had a real quiet time with God today. That means I prayed with my wife, Amy, before I left. That means I've got six children. Most of them are doing great with God, and one of them I'm working on. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the life. I'm praying. I'm engaging. We're having conversations. I'm, I'm engaged. And so those are the wins that really are going are to matter most to me eternally. I don't want to lose a family. And so we have to, we, we have to embrace those and when we embrace those, then the rest of it, if it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. From where I sit, you know, I would say to the pastor, the bivocational pastor, honest to goodness, God is my witness, you're a hero to me, mm-hmm. a true hero to me. What I have is easier. I've got a team of people serving me. You know, you're up in the trenches. You're making less money than you could elsewhere. You're working two jobs. You're getting a sermon ready after a 45-hour week somewhere else. You're loving on people. You're doing all the hospital calls. You may feel like that's not important. In the kingdom of God, that is important. Embrace it. That's a, that's, that's a special time. And ultimately, you know, I just try to remind myself at whatever level we're doing this is, is that we get to do this. It's a, a, a bad day in the ministry world, to me, would be better than a good day just trying to make money somewhere else. We get to serve Jesus. and. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever want to forget that, whether I'm pastoring 20 people or 2,000, we get to serve Jesus and try to hold on to that. It's not easy, man. I, I understand the comparison trap is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, run, run your race. Keep your eyes on the prize. And um, try, work, fight like crazy to have your identity in the who, not the do. Amen. That's good, brother. As we're looking at this uh, idea of, of hope in the darkness— what would you say to the pastor? Or, so we kind of address pastors who, you know, caught in the comparison trap and maybe feel like they're not, you know, not not fulfilling everything that they need to be fulfilling. And and I appreciate that encouragement. But what about the pastor who has hit this crisis? You know, mm-hmm. and it's they have been again serving the kingdom, and man, it just seems like the bottom has fallen out in mm-hmm. life. What encouragement? Because I, th- I, th- I've talked with with many. I mean, I've had my my own, you know, difficult times. You know, we've all had yeah. our own, you know, dark nights, right? So uh, many times, there's this feeling of, man, God, I've, you know, I could be doing a million things, but I gave my entire life over to serving you and your church, yeah. and now look at me. Right. What What, what I, would you, know, you I say? It, yeah. I think it depends on what how the bottom's falling out, meaning. If I'm having a spiritual crisis, that's one thing. If my marriage is in trouble, and another. If I'm battling a secret addiction, that's another. So right. it's kind of like what is, you know, the the what the crisis is might um, might determine or direct us to a little bit different response. I think ultimately we have to have a, a safe community to um, to hurt with other people, and many pastors I know don't have that. Right. Um, and I, there's a lot of reasons why. You know, one is we we trust church people and they leave our church. You know, like, <laughs> oh, it's devastating, or we get hurt in the trade. The bottom line is there's always risk, and you have to go ahead and step into the risk. It's my theory. I can't prove this, but we have both. I have senior pastor friends, and we can relate. Like you and I can relate about things that 
some church members just wouldn't understand our world. Mm-hmm. We have to have that. But at the same time, I think it's, I think it's equally necessary to have pastor to church member relationships where we just, we just are normal people with those around us. It's very difficult because we're never not their pastor. But at the same time, we have to give permission for people to love us as we are. And we need that. We have to have a safe community. There's no easy way. It's paved with risks. We always end up, you know, we all get hurt. But without it, how do we heal? With it, we can work through a struggling marriage. With it, we can be honest about a secret addiction and heal through it. With it, we can overcome spiritual doubts. Without it, we're really in trouble. So I think, you know, based on what I see, one of the biggest problems we have as pastors is we tend to get isolated. Mm-hmm. And it's not because people don't love us, it's because we don't, we don't let them love us intimately. We're afraid, we've been hurt, we, we, we risk. And um, I think that's one of the things I just encourage everybody to work toward, both intimate, strong pastoral friends, that's one category, but people in the church that have permission to minister to us back, that's that's complete, and I, I think we need it. Yeah, that's good. And and uh, like you said, sometimes um, we we've stepped out, we've become vulnerable, and we've tr- tried to create those friendships, and then and then we get hurt, right? Yes. It, it, because oftentimes, whenever that happens, then we pull back, and we're like, oh, you know, we do. We or, should. Or our, our spouse gets, our wife gets. Yeah, hurt, exactly. She pulls back, you know, or husband, whatever it is. The early years, we had literally all of our, you know, just our closest circle of friends ended up leaving the church, and so we were kind of we were devastated, and kind of decided no more. We're just not going to. Mm. Um, we're just going to have pastor friends, and we had a season of that. It was the it was the loneliest, most desperate, scary season ever. And finally, we just decided, you know, the only way to have the intimacy is to have the risk again. And we've been I'd say this: we've been hurt less the second time around, but we've still been hurt. Right. But you know what? If you're not a pastor and you have a relationship, you get hurt. It's just a, it's a yeah. part of life. I just think it's you know we're incomplete without the body of Christ. Um, we're vulnerable and you know, I got one buddy that we've been working out together for over 20 years. I'll tell you what, there's no telling where I'd be without him because he's a church member who I can tell anything. And so when there's a point of vulnerability, a weakness, a temptation that I need a brother to brother talk, man, that guy's here and is with me. And he's not a, he's not another pastor in another town. He's a guy down the street that I see four times a week. Um, I am here today because of that friendship. You know, I, I pray every pastor would have a friend or two like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's there's no shortcut to getting it. It doesn't always work, but you, you have to press through and continue to trust until you have something like that. Amen. That's, that's a good word, brother. Um, now, you didn't tell me to say this, Craig, but I truly believe this. Um, your, your newest book, Hope in the Dark, it's one of those books, pastors, that you're going to want to keep several copies on hand because this is one of those books that you're going to want to give away because we do, as, as we said in this conversation, we do have people coming to us all the time who are like, man, where's God right now? You know, I've, I've, I've lost my marriage. I've lost my job. You know, I've, I've got a diagnosis from the doctor and this book really is encouraging in the way that it kind of approaches and walks people through and, and walks us through this idea that, 
our trust in God isn't dictated by our circumstances. And we say that a lot, but then we're in the middle of, of a dark night. You know, we, we, we wrestle through that. But it also gives the freedom for us to do just that, wrestle with God through it. So this is a gift, brother. Thank you so much for Hope in the Dark. Before we take off, can you tell us uh, what's the best way for people to connect with you or to learn more about your newest book? Yeah. So uh, one of the things I'm really passionate about is helping pastors learn to lead more effectively. I, I, I never saw Jesus as a leader until one day I looked with different eyes. And like not only is he the son of God, but he also picked 12 people, empowered them, delegated authority from heaven to them, and, sent, and we're here because of his leadership. So I've got a leadership podcast that comes out every month that I hope is helpful to pastors and others. Um, CraigRochelle.com has information on the book and other things. And then um, Life.Church is our church. There's a lot of free resources that pastors don't know. We're, we're honored to give away the YouVersion Bible app. And there's we have literally hundreds and hundreds of resources for pastors, videos, transcripts, kids videos, you know, and such that uh, help strengthen other churches. So all that's a gift. If it helps pastors, we'd be blessed if they use it. Yeah, awesome, brother. And we'll have links to all that in the show notes. And just a couple quick things. I love your podcast. One Thank of my you. favorite podcasts, brother. Thank you so much for that. And as a, a pastor myself, we have um, benefited from your generosity as, oh, as a church with those resources. Um, so many fantastic things. So I really encourage you guys um, to check out what they have and just give freely available. We, we so appreciate that. An example that uh, you and Life Church have set for us all. So, brother, just thank you for being with us on the Church Leaders Podcast again. Thank you for sharing from your heart. And um, thank you for all you're doing for the kingdom. Hey, and thank you for what you do for pastors. It's, um, it's special to have a resource that's customized just to the world we live in. And so I appreciate the work you put into finding people to talk to and, and um, strengthening us. Ultimately, that strengthens the church. So thank you. Amen. Thank you, brother. God bless you. All right. Okay. Take care, Jason. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast. And if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance, and if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the FaithPlay app. It's available for both Apple and Android, and so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well, and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.